Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. and the A.M. with Svi uh, Silverstein. Before that, the Adidim Choir, both off of the brand new Shirei Pinchas, volume number five. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Quarter after six, I know I'm on early. Over-anxious to get on the air this morning here at J.M. and the A.M. on this Friday morning, the 3rd of February, day 12 in the month of Shvat, the year 5783. Tufshin Pei Gimel. Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Erev Shabbos Shira. Candle lighting in New York, 455. 455, official candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And the Tu B'Shvat is Monday. Keep that in mind. Both Rabbi Benji Kramer and Rabbi David Hertzberg are going to join me Monday right here at JM in the AM. Again, this coming Monday is Tubishvat. Join us between 6 and 9 Eastern Time for the big celebration. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing like Tubishvat with us here at JM and the AM, that's for sure. Friday morning broadcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We um, have a whole bunch of stuff going on, including the Kosher Halftime Show brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. It's a week from Sunday to 12th of February. And this year, it's an exclusive interview with Rachmiel Begun. As the Miami Boys Choir continues to enjoy quite a presence on social media, especially TikTok, we get to discuss it with Rachmiel during Kosher Halftime Show 5783-2023, the 10th Kosher Halftime Show, all presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, 
InjuryLawyer.com. And um, we're building up to the big game. And, of course, for us, a very big day on Sunday, February the 12th. JM and the AM, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Trucker Yitz says, Shabbat Shalom, world. Another amazing opportunity. Observe Hashem Shabbos. Enjoy the Arab Shabbos music on the app and the stream. And Trucker Yitz, all I could say to you is thank you for being such an amazing ambassador for what we do here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Single Network. Much appreciated. Listener Moshe says, good morning. It is Moshe. Wishing you a good Shabbos. Can you please play an Ohad wedding song? Interesting. Wants to hear an Ohad wedding song. Well, I... I chose a couple of selections that I think Moshe would enjoy, not necessarily wedding, although the first one I think could be considered a wedding song, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, more coming up. It's a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Malcolm Honline, a, a vice chairman, conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. He'll join us coming up here at JM in the AM with the weekly update at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time. Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour with Parshish Bishalach, Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour with Parshish Bishalach, and much, much more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
קדושויס, בעל מלחומויס, זוהי ראיית צדוק הורבויס, מצמיח ישועויס, אויסך קדושויס, בעל מלחומויס, זוהי ראיית צדוק הורבויס, מצמיח ישועויס, אויסך קדושויס, בעל מלחומויס, זוהי ראיית צדוק הורבויס, מצמיח ישועויס, אויסך קדושויס, בעל מלחומויס, זוהי ראיית צדוק מצמיח ישועויס, זה מירויס יוי מירו, ובסישבוכויס ישמיעו, זה מירויס יוי מירו, ובסישבוכויס ישמיעו.
Jamming with Eighth Day and Ben Amram here on a Friday morning Arab Shabbos. Ellie Begun had the best of Zach Yismach Moshe done by DJ Fabreng. Ohad with both Lamelech and Sameach. And you're listening to a JMNAM Friday morning broadcast. On this Erev Shabbos Shira, Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach, candle lighting at 4.55 here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Love your comments from all around the world. Appreciate everybody who's checking in this morning uh, with us here at JMNA. Malcolm Holmline's coming up in hour number two. Harry Rothenberg in hour number two. Rabbi Yudin in hour number three. Naomi Nachman, brand new from the uh, Shuk Machane Yehuda in Jerusalem in the 9 a.m. hour. 10 o'clock for Mark Zamek and the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. Arab Shabbos music mix, final hour, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem all day Long. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Watch your perfect eyes of glass Don't let anyone see past The veil across my face I keep it in its place Set the stage, put on a show Don't slip up, don't let them know What's inside my To be ourselves, no filters on Release our inhibitions All judgments can be gone Show me who you are The you you hold inside We all have battle scars from the things we try to hide Where we stand, it's all his plan No need to feel alone If you face me, I'll face you too I have stories of my own Scared of failure, scared of shame To be ourselves, no filters on Release our inhibitions All judgments can be gone Show me who you are The you you hold inside We all have battle scars From the things we try I have stories of my
Spartic medley done by our friends from Safam. I know I've been revisiting a lot of the Safam music recently. Aryeh Kunstler Michamocha, words from this week's Parsha. Yaakov Yisrael with Hakol, Eyes of Glass, brand new from Simcha Liner, Miami, with words from this week's Parsha. Shira, the rabbi's sons, with words from this week's Parsha. Az Yashir. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Thank all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Much appreciated. Galaitz on the background, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. Harry Rothenberg in hour number two, Rabbi Yudin in hour number three, Malcolm Honeline at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Weekly update coming up at JMM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JMM. Galay Tzal, Shah Shtayim, Shalom Rav, Baulpan Shir Hadas Meir, in Mashakore Akshav. גורם בסביבת ראש הממשלה נתניהו הודף את ההזהרה של בנק ההשקעות ג'יפי מורגן בעניין הרפורמה המשפטית ואומר יהיה איזון בין שלוש הרשויות וזה יקרה. אם הדבר יקרה לא יעזרו אלף דוחות כאלה בסוף אנשים רואים שכדאי להשקיע ככה הגורם המדיני בשיחה עם כתבים. שליחנו לפריז יניר ירקוזין דיווח כי בפגישה בין הנשיא מקרון לראש הממשלה אמר מקרון כי אם הרפורמה המשפטית תחוקה כמות שהיא כעת זה עלול לקטלג את ישראל כמדינה לא דמוקרטית. על כך השיב נתניהו כי הוא מוכן לפשרות. שביתת האזהרה של ארגון המורים. במשרד האוצר גינו את השביתה ומסרו כי מדובר בהתנהלות תמוהה וחסרת תום לב. במועצת התלמידים הארצית טענו כי המהלך אינו חינוכי ורק פוגע בתלמידים. במרכז השלטון המקומי גיבו את ארז וקראו לאוצר לחזור לשולחן המשא ומתן. כתבתנו לענייני חינוך יובל מילר מזכירה כי מוקדם יותר היום יושב ראש ארגון המורים רן ארז הודיע על שביתת אזהרה בת יום אחד במחאה על סירובו של משרד האוצר לקדם את המשא ומתן על הסכם שכר המורים. תפילות יום שישי באגפים הביטחוניים בבתי הכלא הסתיימו ללא אירועים חריגים, אך הדריכות של שב"ס נמשכת. כתבתנו לענייני משטרה הדס שטייף מעדכנת כי שב"ס מסרו שלא מתנהל משא ומתן עם האסירים, וכי הגורמים המסיתים באגפים נמצאים בבידוד. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה, היום ומחר צפוי לרדת גשם. בחרמון ירד שלג, אתר החרמון פתוח למבקרים ולגולשי הסקי. במדבר יהודה ובים המלח קיים חשש קל משיטפונות. מחר משעות הצהריים הגשם יחלש בהדרגה, ועדיין יהיה קר מהרגיל לעונה.
ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, שבת שירה, פרשת בשלח, בירושלים ב-4.35, בתל אביב ב-4.56, בחיפה ב-4.44, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת שלוש דקות לפני חמש. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים ובחיפה ב-5.52, בתל אביב ב-5.54, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר חמש דקות לפני שש. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שעורכת יערה אברהם.
JM in the AM. Piamenta with Az Yashir. Erev Shabbos Shira. Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Candlelighting time in New York. 4.55. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Erev Shabbos broadcast. Malcolm Homeline coming up later this hour. Rabbi Yudin next hour on Parshas B'Shalach. Kosher Halftime Show a week from Sunday. Presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm. InjuryLawyer.com. And um, this coming Monday, both Rabbi... Benji Kramer and Rabbi David Hertzberg will join me to Bishvat program this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. Certainly looking forward to that. We are, of course, uh, dedicating uh, Harry Rothenberg's presentation, which uh, we're about to hear on uh, Parsha's Bishalach, for a Rafur Shlema for our dear friend Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Keep her in mind, please. Also, I got a note from uh, listener Nachum. <coughs> Excuse me. Got a note from listener Nachum. Uh, today is the yard site of his father, and we will therefore dedicate uh, both uh, Harry Rothenberg's words and Rabbi Yudin's words. Le'ilu Nishmas Noach Yosef Ben Menachem Mendel. Again, Noach Yosef Ben Menachem Mendel. Olav HaShalom. Harry Rothenberg with words of uh, note regarding Parsha's B'Shalach on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. For those of you who don't know or can't place the accent, I'm from Philadelphia. So I root for the Eagles who are heading to the Super Bowl. So I'm in a good mood. Therefore, I figured I would share a joke with you this week. The joke comes from a very unusual place, the middle of the Parsha. You'll say, wait, I read the Parsha. There were no jokes there. Yes, there is. Let's set the scene. Pharaoh, after 10 plagues, has finally freed the Jews from slavery. They leave Egypt, and then Pharaoh reconsiders, gets his chariot ready, gets his warriors, they get into their chariots, and they pursue the Jews, and they catch up to them. So the Jews are now between the proverbial rock and a hard place. Behind them, the oncoming, advancing, terrifying Egyptian army. In front of them is the sea. And they didn't take swimming lessons while they were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And so they cry out to Moshe. It's not surprising. You can imagine what they would say. Moshe, save us, help us. Instead, listen to what they say. Moshe, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you took us out to the wilderness to die? Well, that's a little weird, a little sarcastic, almost funny. What are they, clowning around, making jokes when they're about to die? It's like that type of guy we know. You tell him a crazy story. I got rear-ended, I hit the guardrail, my car flipped over, it was a miracle, I got out, not a scratch. Looks at you, deadpan, whew, I hate when that happens. You can almost imagine their tone of voice when they're saying this. Hey, Mo, there aren't enough graves in Egypt that you took us out here. What's going on? And sure enough, one commentator says they are joking. This is an example of the Jews maintaining our signature wit and sense of humor in a time of tremendous danger. It's not an accident that for years and currently some of, if not the best comedians in the world, are Jewish. Why is this so important? Well, first of all, if you can still make jokes during a difficult time, it's a way of showing you have faith in God. They are busting Moshe's chops. They're saying it with a smile, almost like, all right, Mo, how are you and God gonna get us out of this one? What are you gonna pull out of your endless bag of tricks? Second, during a difficult time, if you can find something lighthearted, make a joke, you can cheer yourself up. Studies have shown that one of the most important predictors as to whether a patient will survive an illness or a significant surgery is their mindset. 
The more positive, the better the outcome, the better the chances of survival. Very important for your mental health if you can cheer yourself up during a difficult time. And third, you can cheer others up during tough times. There's a passage in the Talmud that's fascinating. Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, appears to a rabbi who happens to ask him, by the way, in this marketplace, anybody heading to heaven? Can you give me a preview? And Eliyahu says, yep, those two guys. The rabbi goes over to these two guys, introduces himself. He says, what do two guys do for a living? They say, we're comedians. He says, what? They say, yeah, we cheer people up when they're depressed. You can cheer someone else up when they're depressed. That can send you straight to heaven.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, J.M. in the A.M. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Much appreciated. Malcolm Holmline coming up. I just got a report minutes ago that Malcolm Holmline is in Israel, and there's uh, always an extra special 
boost our weekly update when he's reporting from the Holy Land. Malcolm Holmline from Israel, minutes away right here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting at 4.55 on this Erev Shabbos. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. When you go to kosherdogs.net, don't forget your 10% discount with promo code radio. Kosherdogs.net, 10% discount with promo code radio. Please don't forget. I'm begging you. By the way, our friend Steve Savitsky is out with his brand new book, Kansipor, a book about chesed. We're going to speak to him Wednesday morning right here at JM and the AM. Keep that in mind. It's a big week shaping up coming up. Monday to Bishvat, Steve Savitsky with a brand new book on Wednesday. Interesting week coming up here at JM and AM. Yad Vashem reminds you that uh, the Book of Names is on display right now at the United Nations. Uh, the book commemorates 4.8 million of the men, women, and children whose details have been gathered and uncovered over the years. 4.8 million victims, 4.8 million victims of the Holocaust. Um... The Book of Names is on display at the United Nations from now until February the 17th. Entrance is free Monday through Friday from 9 until 5. Yad Vashem's Book of Names and the central database is available online at yadvashem.org. Again, that's yadvashem.org. Check it out. Um, I got a note from listener Sina. She writes, best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to my fantabulous son-in-law, Shayadov Schreiber of Bayswater. Thank you for the beautiful Shabbos in Orlando. You truly are the host with the most. It was beyond special spending time with the family, including the newest addition, Ezra Chaim, who has the schluss of being the first to be named for his Zaydi Shalom. Wishing you a year filled with good health, simchus, and abundant nachas. May you be zochah to celebrate many more birthdays and good health together with Sippy and your beautiful children. Ad Meav Eshem, have a great day. And that comes from Ema, and um, as she indicates, uh, she's also known as Listener Sina, and some other uh, Schwiger, trying to think what else. <laughs> anyway, Mrs. Eisenman, right? <laughs> anyway, um, happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, weekly update coming up and plenty more listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. in Komcha, brand new from Micha Gammerman, off Shirei Pinchas, volume number five here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, our friends at JewishWorldReview.com remind you that if, you, um, if you'd like to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos to read over Shabbos and the weekend about Israel and the Jewish world, JewishWorldReview.com is an amazing resource for that. Simply go to the website, print out what you need for Shabbos, and become more and more educated about the issues of the day. And boy, oh boy, do we have to become more educated about the issues of the day. Uh, again, it's um, jewishworldview.com, jewishworldview.com. Reminder, Monday is Tu Bishvat. Our Tu Bishvat program will include Rabbi Benji Kramer and Rabbi David Hertzberg. That's going to happen um, this coming Monday between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to join us here. At JM and the AM. As I said a few moments ago, we've learned uh, early this morning that Malcolm Honline is in Israel. Our uh, weekly update is enhanced. As, as great as it always is, it's even further enhanced when he's reporting to us from the Holy Land. So we have this opportunity, Baruch Hashem, 
this morning. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at this time for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Always great to be here, but especially as I look out over the old city of Yerushalayim and bask in the beautiful weather here in Jerusalem. It's a little wet in between, but it's still beautiful. Hey, it's rainy season, and you know the rule. We can't complain when it rains in Israel, that's for sure. Uh, it's Gishmei Bracha. It is uh, a big blessing, and it's always it's always hard to discipline ourselves when we get to Israel, and it is raining, uh, not to complain. Um, well, uh, you're there uh, You're there this afternoon, Friday afternoon, almost exactly one week ago, Friday night last week. Our brothers and sisters suffered in a terrible terror attack in Neve Yaakov. Um, I, I am getting somewhat tired of hearing the expression that the terrorist acted alone when the incitement, the education, the atmosphere created by those around him since birth, most likely, you'd have to agree, contribute to him eventually trying and successfully murdering Jews. What could you tell us about last Friday night's attack? Well, first of all, I think you're raising a very fundamental point that people have to be reminded about, that these incidents are just not occurring, that you can have somebody <coughs> who's mentally imbalanced, you can have people who are radical, and but they're radicalized somewhere. And there's somewhere that it tells them that the way you give vent is to go with a, a AK-47 and just shoot innocent people or engage in an attack outside a shul. And we know that th- this is not just haphazard. There are state sponsors of this anti-Semitism, including Qatar and the more revelations that come out about how far Qatar invests in the United States, let alone there, in in incitement and supporting Muslim Brotherhood-affiliated groups and um, the PA as well, involved in in funding and and stimulating uh, uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, not just anti-Israel sentiment. And then you have the the media and the uh, rewards that they get from the pay to slay program, which if people don't know, they should be ashamed by now, but the Taylor Force Act in the United States addresses it. We have laws here in Israel addressing it, where they were uh, against the, the PA practice of paying the murderers or their families. Uh, and as you know, in a recent case, the police raided in the aftermath of the attack Friday night, um, raided the home of one of the terrorists. They found over $100,000 in cash in just one house, money that the PA paid them. And by the way, yesterday I went to Sharad Zedek to visit the uh, very heroic young guy who in the city of David, you know, uh, was they came under attack by the 13-year-old. And just think about a 13-year-old who... has an automatic weapon. Two of them actually gave one to his uncle and and then started being with a, a rifle. And then the parents praise and and give out candies and extol them. And we saw the family of the this young 20-year-old soldier who was just with his family in the city of David, walking around on Shabbat and is in very, very serious condition. Uh, the the bullet itself didn't do, but some body reaction to it uh, has put him in a very, very harsh matzav condition, and people should should think of him in their tefillos, but, but you see the parents, 
and and they weren't angry, they weren't bitter. They they greeted us, you know, and comforting us. And we came there to to show them support. And the 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 contrast is so obvious. And and lastly, one point which I think you probably would raise anyway, because you're you've always been sensitive to this, and that is the way the media in America has covered it. And right away saying the most right wing government and as if that is to blame yep. and in and the most left wing governments didn't have the same thing. <laughs> and as if they care who sits in the governments uh, of Israel and that the, you know, uh, reports that I heard on CBS, which was particularly upsetting because NPR did it, too. But we're used to it. You know, nine people killed in nine Palestinians killed in Janine. Not one word that they were terrorists. There was one woman who who may have been caught in a crossfire, but everybody else, these were terrorists, these were people who were about to carry out a massive attack, bombs found there, not a reference to it. And now saying that somehow this is a justification when an army uh, 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 acting under appropriate circumstances prevents massive deaths by going in and and eliminating the terrorists uh, is comparable to somebody who goes outside a synagogue on a Friday night and opens fire. I have to say that the administration and congressional leaders, others were were quick to respond that people condemned it. But it's it's it, there's got to be some accounting when the media can can talk this way, when uh, the PA just issued celebratory statements about it. And when people are engaging and giving out candy and celebrating the bloodshed and somehow extolling it, that's what causes this and that and makes the next generation believe that this is the way. That you get notoriety, you get recognition, you get the affection, you get the attention, and they they put an idea, an extremist ideological, religious founding foundation to this. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why it's such an outrage when they say acted alone because of what I mentioned earlier. By the way, an opportunity to uh, because you mentioned the terror attack in Ir David, one of our listeners reminded us to pray for Nadav Chaim Ben Irit Chaya. That's Nadav Chaim Ben. Irit Chaya. Um, in addition to the point that you uh, made, or as as you indicated, reiterated regarding the media, what do you think of a place like Neve Yaakov being referred to as East Jerusalem in the media? You know what, and and, and the constant reference to occupied East Jerusalem. Right. It's not just East Jerusalem. Right. Uh, and BBC in particular was egregious in this regard, but not exclusively so, because others uh, use similar language or or references, which and I mean it's complete distortion of of the historical realities. But it it all is meant to create an atmosphere that excuses uh, the attacks. It's not because they're putting in context or because people will know better where the location of Neve Yaakov was. Uh, you know, that's not the, the thing that is of concern to, to the people we're talking about. And this is, um, you know, it's part of the, the ideological campaign to delegitimize Israel, to deny Israel's sovereignty in Jerusalem, yeah. and to, to justify the killings. Yeah, a divided Jerusalem at the minimum uh, is uh, all that they are, are satisfied with. By the way, on the demolition issue, uh, Israel facing criticism, and again, because it's a right-wing government, etc., you know, the, the criticism is even sharper. Uh, one of the young people in this audience uh, was concerned about how much criticism Israel was getting uh, with the demolition policy that was enacted uh, this week after the terror attack on Friday night. 
and I had to remind them, or at least inform them, that you know we've been we you know that we we've been around the block before with this whole type of episode. Of course, Israel is going to be criticized for the demolitions. I'm assuming that worldwide reaction and really nothing else is going to deter Israel from keeping this policy in place. Am I right? It's effective. It's a deterrent. And therefore, it is justified. It is not an inhumane policy as, as they try to present it. It's a most humane policy. But if you don't, and, and we know that this has a, a deterrent impact just as the rewards the families get from, uh, from, the, from their kids being involved, either dying in or you know, being involved in the killing of Jews, and the more they kill, the more they get, that that is an incentive to do it, this is a disincentive. And I think that Israel is, uh, is one of the few tools that Israel has uh, to, to respond to these things and to move quickly and make it a, a better complete uh, immediately. Uh, from the other angle of, you know, practically speaking, he acted alone. Again, you know, as I said earlier, from in a bigger picture scenario, we don't look at it as he acted alone. But let's say practically speaking, he acted alone. Does that mean that Israeli intelligence had no shot at stopping this guy? Not a criticism, just wondering if there was even a clue or anything they said in the aftermath where they were, uh, uh, where they, you know, said to themselves, oh my gosh, you know, we were, we were sort of alerted to this and just didn't realize what was going on. Has there been any discussion about advance notice about Friday night's attack? No, there was, as far as I know, and I've met with uh, some people, uh, officials involved, nobody has uh, spoken about any advance indication that this attack was imminent. And that's the fear, of course, that uh, certain people have. And this is the fear that the terrorists want to, you know, instill in us and in these citizens and residents of Israel uh, that, you know, any at any random time, um, having convinced any random guy uh, that someone can go on a shooting spree. And uh, you always, you know, emphasize rightfully how effective Israeli um, intelligence is, military, police, etc. And we, of course, thank God for that. And they're extremely strong in that area. But the reality is, as you pointed out before, you're not going to stop everything. Simple as that. You're not going to. And, and you, you realize how many people are involved, how many events are prevented. There, there were thousands of events last year, thousands of, of potential attacks and attacks and events. You know how we know? Because the PA published it. They published a list of numbers, everything about it. And uh, and of course, the Israeli officials concur and have put out similar uh, statistics. But they, they take great pride in it. So it's not a, a secret about what they're doing. And the world yet is rushes to, to condemn Israel and, and uh, you know, is focused on internal issues here in Israel when the international challenges abound. Yeah. No question about it. All right, we got to get to the uh, Blinken visit and, of course, the uh, the Iran attack. Uh, but if I don't a- if I don't ask you about this story, my listeners are going to go nuts because it seems to be the thing that everyone is talking about, and they need your opinion. Is the House Foreign Affairs Committee a better committee without Elon Omar? Certainly, and and I think the whole effort to try and recategorize it as a tit for tat or anything. To, to, to take away the attention and just say that it's because she was critical of Israel. She wasn't critical of Israel. She wasn't a useful member of the committee. She has said many e- extremely radical and, and uh, 
damaging things. And uh, I think removing her was entirely appropriate. It wasn't, and it was a vote of the full house. It wasn't just what McCarthy did as a Republican leader, which he could do removing people from the intelligence committee. This required a full vote. So it was a legitimate action. And the, you know, these things go along parties, partisan lines and party lines. We know that. Uh, but he got the 219 to 216. But it's it's not because Democrats have not been hypercritical of her, pointing out her outrageous comments, unacceptable comments. And, you know, it is pretty consistent. And to put her in uh, the position or at least putting on her notice and others that, you know, not everything goes and that there has to be some standard for members of Congress, and it should apply to others. And if they make racist comments or anti, you know, uh, other anti-Semitic stuff or whatever, that they will be held to account. You're a lot of rustling. Oh, I don't hear anything. You're as clear as a bell on our end, so I hope that that's what the listeners are hearing, frankly. No, I think it's there on your end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as long as you're the only one who hears it, then I'll, I'm willing to live with it. Uh, Malcolm Holmline in Israel, folks. Um, so I, I'd love to see Senate leadership, especially from this area, uh, you know, weigh, weigh in uh, with an agreement or with, uh, you know, a thumbs up to this move. But I guess that's unrealistic in this political atmosphere that we're in. Uh, but also there's a network out there and there's a narrative uh, of how racist a move this was to remove her, how uh, Islamophobic it was to remove her, how white supremacist it was to remove her. I mean, once all those things are brought into the argument, it's like it's, it's worthless to even discuss it at that point. You're absolutely, but but she framed it that way. She said, you know, I'm Somalian, I'm African, I'm a woman, and, and try to say that as if that was the problem. You know, there were so many charges against her about misappropriation of phone, funds, hiring her brother, her relatives. I mean, all those things got shunted aside. And um, so that, that's, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, you, you do everything you can. Obviously, I mean, every criminal says that they're innocent and, you know, we're going to be proven. We want to go to court because it's going to show us to be innocent, et cetera. And I think that that diverting it, I mean, nobody was saying Adam Schiff was fired because he was Jewish and white. I mean, and people didn't talk about, the, you know, Marjorie Green because she was white. And it was because of what she said in Omar Taylor, um, uh, you know, and, and that's the, the, the problem is that you know, you, you, you diminish the seriousness of, of, of real racial animosities that, yeah. that pop up. And when somebody is an irresponsible person in a key position, then they can be held to account and they should stand for it. Justify what you say, take, take this thing, but don't then try to divert it onto right away saying that it was very, a racial issue. It right. was not. What do you think of the Blinken visit? And do you, do you feel it's appropriate when he and other American officials weigh in on the whole Israel judicial reform issue? I, I don't know. Is, 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 are they innocent comments, or would you prefer if they stayed out of Israeli politics? Is it a big deal? So I, I think if you blink, you miss Blinken's visit. It was a very quick <laughs> one. <laughs> that was a good, I was waiting to use that. I like that. And, uh, yeah, I knew. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think overall the visit was good that he had a good meeting with the prime minister. Um, they, they focused a lot on the Iran issues and the common um, interest. If I could just divert for one sure. minute. Yeah. Do you know what Operation 
Juniper Oak is. Well, you 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 gave me and everybody an education about it I, last I, week, I, I, right? But do you, I'm, I'm do, if you were a common person, I've asked a lot of people here in Israel, by right. the way, and they couldn't identify right. it. the cooperation between U.S. America, and yeah, and Israel. But but that six thousand American troops, right. one hundred and twenty aircraft. And I detailed it last week because the American media, no coverage. And you ask people about it, nothing. The biggest exercise in history between the United States and Israel, direct message, B-52 bombers flown from the United States. I mean, swarming the the, the region and not a mention about a positive. But when they can come down and start talking about domestic issues in Israel and talk about the loss of democracy, do you know that, that the new so study true. comes the annual study came out that ranks countries in, as democratic states. And Israel went down a couple notches. Of course, the headline, Israel slips into momentum. So it went down from 26 to 29. But it's ahead of the United States. So are we going to start examining all the things wrong with the United States and all the, quote, the things that would bring it down from a, as a democratic state in the rankings of countries? So the the you know this hypercritical approach. Uh, look, I think, and I wish that some of the ministers wouldn't talk so much. I think that the, that much of the problem is that the statements are more provocative than the actions, and that the the there are legitimate cases to be made. I think if they had made the case first, instead of now, everybody's playing catch up trying to explain why the judicial reform was necessary, for instance. But it was post. It was uh, it was played as such an extremist move, as if they're canceling the Supreme Court, as if the Supreme Court, you know, was an innocent party. When in fact, judicial excesses has been something that party people on all sides have complained about and talked about. So, the 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 uh, you know now there was an article in the uh, editorial in the Washington Post. The, edit- the article in. Uh, in Newsweek and others saying, hey, wait, there's there's a reason for this. There's real issues here. And that everybody admits that this court was a very activist court and went beyond the uh, mandate that many people interpreted the responsibility of the of the um, of the Supreme Court. But, you know, they I, so I think that the secretary's reference to it was fairly mild. I mean, more people right. were concerned about his two state references. Right, right. Um, but, you know, he went to Ramallah and he supposedly gave them a strong message. He was in Cairo and they said the issues of the Palestinians, you know, were the dominant issues there when Egypt is on the verge of economic collapse. And there should be a lot of other issues, including how we aid them and how we provide assistance to make sure that there isn't a collapse and God forbid a coming back of the Muslim Brotherhood. Hey, when you talk to the Israeli officials that you meet this week, you should tell them to stop talking. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations in Jerusalem on this Friday morning, or for him, Friday afternoon on this uh, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. So, Israel launched a drone attack at an Iranian facility. And it's, it's funny, and I don't want to make this about the New York Times, but it is funny that they write, while the target's purpose is unclear, which I thought was hilarious because in the next moment they write, the city of Isfahan is a major center of Iranian missile production, research, and development. What could you tell us about Israel's attack on the Iranian facility? It was uh, exceptional. 
They use these quadrocopters, which are little drones, you know, with four, and you often see children playing with, with four, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, propellers? blades running, uh, propellers running, and the, uh, which carry a, a payload, but very targeted, hit this exact spots. There were fires also reported in Tehran and Karaj and other places. But this particular place on a munitions factory, a development site right near their space center, and uh, was very clearly uh, a successful uh, target and message. And then they threatened that they were going to shoot missiles at Israel from the Houthis from, by, from Yemen or from Iraq. Uh, I think Israel also attacked a convoy coming from across all of Iraq to the Syrian border to deliver sophisticated weapons. Uh, and uh, munitions to the the, the uh, Iranian-backed, not only Hezbollah, but the militias, which are growing in influence and, and expanding their uh, presence. And in fact, to the point where there was clashes between uh, Druze, uh, armed clashes between Druze and these Iranian-backed groups, because they're trying to establish themselves in southwest Syria. And the word is that Iran is trying to build a master base there, meaning a base where all their units would come together which will be very easy then for Israel if they do that. But the, um, <laughs> uh, they're not doing it for that purpose. Yeah, he but they, you know, so, but, but they knew that truck number eight in the convoy, and I'm, this is serious, was the one with the weapons and was taken out. Wow. And, the, and the, that uh, you know, Iran is constantly trying to find ways to ship either through by sea, by air, by truck, across the land, across different borders, Get stuff to to the to Hezbollah with more munitions, uh, you know, guidance and systems, uh, more sophisticated equipment, and Israel has to act every day as the as the guardian and and patrol and and look for it and find it. And the fact that they do is again so amazing, and people take it for granted because Israel has done such a good job. There's no country in the world that has prevented the kind of constant efforts to intervene and to you know, to smuggle stuff across uh, the borders by by a state, not by, uh, you know, criminal groups uh, who have sophisticated means to do it. Is there I think what Israel did, but just I want to say that what Israel did was very important message to the Iranian people and to the region and coming after Juniper Oak, which sent which was specifically designed to send a message to Iran when U.S. and Israeli warplanes struck common targets and did these bombing runs um, to show that they were, um, you know, symbolic of attacks on uh, on Iranian targets. And that a message was that maybe we can't, each of us can't do everything alone, but together we can do everything. Well, I think it was, and, a, I think together, I, hopefully with allies in the region. I think it was a message to Washington also that, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to end up saving the free world. If you, if you just let us do it, you know, we'll end up taking care of all this, uh, all this stuff for you is the Iranian operation too overwhelming that that's the concern you know for for average citizens like me in other words it's, if it's air land and sea and all these options that Iran is trying to sneak and deliver uh, all these weapons um, is, is, it, is it possible for Israel as an example to keep track and literally get every one of these convoys every one of these trucks every one of these planes every one of these shipments no it is not possible to get every one but it is possible to get a significant number. Um, I, I don't know a percentage that the Israelis estimate of what gets through and what doesn't get through, but it is a significant percentage because it's just impossible to to be able to strike and to uh, 
know every means that they they can use. But the, the you know remember that Iran is doing this at a time when its economy is in total collapse, yep. and it's continuing its nuclear program and expanding all its weapons programs. The real is now four hundred and forty-seven thousand to the dollar. A few years ago, when I started talking about it with you, it was forty-nine thousand to the dollar. After being six or seven thousand to the dollar, four hundred and forty-seven thousand to the dollar. And if it weren't for the trade with Russia. And if it weren't for the illicit oil sales, they, their economy would be a total standstill. And the people of Iran are still willing to take these hardships on if they could get rid of the regime. And, and although the newspapers don't report it, the demonstrations continue, the opposition continues. It went on for many months. And as you know, it's led to tens of thousands of arrests and executions yep. and many Iranians leaving the country, doctors leaving the country. Even politicians, 6,000, I think, applied for Venezuelan citizenship. And there are about 3,000 who have relatives here in the United States, leaders in Iran, who have relatives here and who want to use it as a means, you know, that if uh, things start going worse and a collapse would be imminent, they would come here. Well, speaking, so we should and do he, things right now to prevent it from co- them coming to the United States. Yeah, I was going to say, here means the U.S. I don't want people to think they're heading to Jerusalem. You meant the U.S. Um so what do you make of this story that we heard overnight that um, as border officials, we know how lackadaisical the border situation is, not blaming the, the border uh, patrols, but we, we know, you know what's going on there on the southern border of the U.S. As they're, as they're opening up trunks and opening up trucks, they're discovering people who are residents of Tehran who are now coming into the United States and being snuck in. And, and some of them are on terrorist watch lists. Is this, is this literally just people from another city or another country trying to get in, you know, for asylum purposes? Or should we be concerned that, the, that literally, you know, the front lines of the terror war is coming into our southern border? So, Nachma, I've raised this issue over the years because this is not new news. You know, when all these people coming from Venezuela, for instance, Venezuela is today controlled largely by Iran. These are people who have been indoctrinated with the uh, attitudes by Iran, even if they're not Iranian agents directly. But many people are being smuggled in from, and and we've heard these reports for eight or nine years, that uh, um, uh, Arabs, people had, uh, they found uh, military uniforms, Arab military uniforms in the deserts. They found uh, copies of the Quran that people changed their names. There were thousands previously in a, every week changing their names from Iranian names to Hispanic names and trying to do it legally in the courts there. So this is not a new aspect. Tens of thousands of people have come into our country uh, who are suspect and certainly many who are being organized because they don't have to invade from and threaten the United States from 8,000 miles. They can smuggle people in who become a fifth column in the United States. Yep. And I don't even know why I'm making such a big deal about those who are from Tehran. As you just said, they could be from uh, you know, c- countries on this side of the world and, and have these same intentions that those uh, who they suspect are on the terror list from Tehran are doing or want to do. Um, it's, a sc- it's a scary situation. It's a scary situation. Uh, finally, Malcolm, the, um, the Sudan peace deal. And the Chad Embassy in Israel are these left? And I'm not saying this in a derogatory manner. I, I don't. I don't hesitate to give credit to the current administration or to the, you know, the those who are running the U.S. and Israel at this point. But I'm just wondering: are, are these leftovers from the Abraham Accords that just had to formally be introduced? Or are these significant in terms of 2023 developments? 
So the, the Sudan was part of the Abraham Accords, and they were supposed to sign us. You know, they backed off at the last minute. And now we're talking about, uh, hopefully, in the next few days, another visitor from Sudan will come, and they will talk about establishing full diplomatic relations. Um, there are conditions on it. Sudan is a complicated uh, country. Uh, but I, I think that there's been real progress. I have talked to Sudanese officials, and I think that there is uh, a real interest. But, you know, they have domestically always very difficult situations, politically, militarily, and socially. Uh, Chad is something that Israel has worked on for some time. And I think Prime Minister Netanyahu, in his last cadence as prime minister, uh, got involved with it, and they were pushing it. But he, um, and it could be the first of a number of Muslim-majority countries in Africa that will formally recognize Israel in addition to those that already have diplomatic relations. Yeah, really cool. Unbelievable. That 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 whole development on that side of the uh, uh, Israel relationship with Arab countries or with African countries is simply remarkable. By the way, I have to, I mean, look, you, you, we always say we don't discuss local issues generally here, but I, I'm, th- I'm sure even you would agree this isn't, isn't really a local issue. Any reaction to what happened here in New Jersey, the Molotov cocktail at the synagogue in Bloomfield, New Jersey? Of course, it's very disturbing that somebody would go in the middle of the night and throw a Molotov cocktail. What is very positive is that the synagogue took precautions beforehand. So they put shadowproof glass, a reminder to everyone, don't wait to do it after the attack or after something happens to take the precautions before. But more than that, there isn't a single day when we don't hear of some uh, Jew act of Jew hatred, something, whether it's on a campus, whether it's in a community, whether it's in a, uh, with statements that are being made. Yep. Uh, uh, somebody sent me a picture. I, I assume it's real because it's a reliable source showing uh, an armband with a swastika at the funeral um, this week in Memphis. I, again, I don't know. I haven't verified it. But we are getting reports, and we see that Bella Haddad, who continues to make the most vicious anti-Semitic comments, together with her family, anti-Israel comments, uh, is, is on a billboard in L.A. and hired by LVMH to represent her. There are a lot of Jews who buy LVMH products. Tell them what you think of it. Tell them that's going to stop it, that you wouldn't hire uh, a racist to, to be a thing. Why take somebody who has demonstrated Jew hatred and anti-Israel attitudes to be the the spokesmodel or whatever they call it for for the front face for the uh, these products, uh, and and it's more we have to be we have to hold people to account we have to be speaking up we have to be declaring things for what they are yeah. we we've been too shy and too reticent I see even Morningstar continues to be a problem and others issues still remain on on the table so we have to be very adamant and careful and, and assertive. And when, especially on the campus-related things, to make sure the kids are safe and most of all that the universities understand their responsibility and that they will be held account for what they do or don't do in compliance with the IRA definition. And everybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about should be ashamed and go and look up the International Holocaust Remembrance Association definition and make sure that every school, every university, everybody adopts it. So we have a way to define it and to fight it. Excellent. Malcolm, enjoy Jerusalem and have a wonderful Shabbos. You too. Be well, everybody. Be safe. Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Always extra special when he reports to us from Yerushalayim on a Friday morning broadcast here 
at JM in the AM. Friday morning it is. Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Erev Shabbos Shira. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Candle lighting in New York, 455. Make sure you know when things start where you are, and I welcome those of you who are tuned in around the world, and thank you very much for that. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Tubishvat is Monday. Um... So we'll have that for you on Monday. Kosher Halftime shows a week from Sunday. Brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. And um, Rabbi Yudin's words this morning being dedicated, Le'ilui Nishmas, Noach Yosef Ben Menachem Mendel. Noach Yosef Ben Menachem Mendel. This time each every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas B'Shalach. Whoa. It is known as Shabbos Shira, the Shabbos, because it contains within it the great song of salvation that Am Yisrael sang upon their deliverance from Mitzrayim. According to the Chinuch, there is one mitzvah contained in Parshas B'Shalach, and that is a losase, a restriction that a person is not the losase of Tchum Shabbos, of having a uh, boundary beyond which one is not to leave on Shabbos. Now, in Parshas B'Shalach, we have the second part of the Yitzias Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt. Last week, we took Israel out of Egypt, and this week, through Kriyas Yamsuf, we take Mitzrayim out of Israel. The culture, Sus Varochmo Ramavayam, the culture of Mitzrayim, the fear of Mitzrayim, all this was taken from B'nai Yisrael as a result of the miraculous deliverance of Kriyas Yamsov. I'd like to point out a very interesting observation. We know that there are ayim ponim la Torah. What does that mean? Literally, 70 ways of understanding and appreciating Torah. The Torah is, as we know, Hashem's work. As He is unlimited, so too is our understanding of Torah unlimited. So, I'd like to share with you a interpretation of a puzzle in this week's parsha, which will, I believe, bring a chuckle to many individuals, but the at the same time, there is a powerful message that we can learn therefrom. When B'nai Yisrael see, in the beginning of the parsha, Mitzrayim, in hot pursuit, so there's no question that what do they do? Rashi tells us that Tofsu Umnus Abu they take that which their ancestors 
were professionals at, and Rashi proves that Abram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, each of them <coughs> were mispalil, each of them prayed. So here too, B'nai Yisrael cry out to Hashem in chapter 14, Pasuk uh, 10, by Yitzhaku B'nai Yisrael El Hashem. Very much understandable that they're going to cry out. It is a time of great crisis. Okay, so how does uh, Moshe calm the people? He tells them the following. Don't be afraid. Just stand. See the salvation of God. For that which you see Mitzrayim today, you will not see them um, anymore. And finally, the last verse, the one I want to focus on, Moshe says, Hashem Yilochem Lochem V'yatem Tacharishon God will do battle on your behalf and you keep quiet. Literally, he's going to fight for you and you just keep quiet, meaning don't pray. Good. Says Rav Meir Bar Ilan and others in the Hasidic community, something very interesting. Hashem Yilochem Lochem God will provide the bread for you. Yilochem, containing the word lechem. V'yatem, you, tacharishon. Not only the literal, meaning quiet, but you will do the plowing. Ah, charisha. Now, clearly, this is not the literal understanding. However, there is such a powerful idea contained in this play on words that man has to do what is known as the hishtadlus. Man has to take the initiative. And once man takes the initiative, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does the rest. For indeed, even here at Kriyas Yamsuf, we find later on that Hashem says, the very next that they are to literally travel forward, meaning go into the Yam, and it was in the schus, in the merit of their going into the sea, and as the Medrash tells us, the waters did not split until the water was up to their noses. Ah, you took the initiative, you did your first step, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu does the rest. That's a very important concept. We've seen this last week, that in order for Hashem to literally pass over the homes of the Jewish people, they had to take that first step of slaughtering the Egyptian god, slaughtering the Korban Pesach, placing the blood on the door, performing the bris mila. Man takes the initiative, man does his hishtadlus, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides the rest. This idea literally is one which 
is not only found throughout the Torah and a famous theme of the Sefer HaChinuch in his understanding many of the mitzvos that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us mitzvos that by our taking the first step, for example, be it in the laws of Leket, Shecha, and Peah, the Jewish farmer does his, this gives Hashem the opportunity to respond in kind many-fold more for the farmer and to give him and the Jewish people blessings. Now, if you think about it, the whole idea of our Hishtadlus, which means to take that initiative, is one which is in reality came upon mankind as a klala. God says to Adam, after he ate from the eighth Hadaas, by the sweat of your brow you shall earn your livelihood and eat bread. Now this is not a mitzvah, and too many people take it that way, as if this is what we are to do. The answer is, the Torah teaches in <coughs> Sefer Devarim, in Parshas Re'eh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that he is going to provide us with blessing, This is the source where the Chachamim learn as brought down in the 21st chapter of Mesilas Yesharim, yes, that man has to do the initiative. But think about it. We believe, as we say, every Yomim Noroyim, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as the Gemara teaches us in Beitzah 16a, that Komazonosov shall Adam a man's livelihood, how much he's going to earn, is Kitsuvim lo is set, me Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah already, Now listen, it would be against the grain, cannot be, that a person is awarded upstairs a certain Parnasa, a certain livelihood, on condition that he works so hard that there's no time to go to Minyan, morning and night. On condition, you're going to get this, on condition that you are not, God forbid, Koveya Itim La Torah. Can't be. When it says that we are given Parnasa, included in that is that you're going to Davin with a minion. Included in that is that you're going to set time for Talmud Torah. So if one takes the time to evaluate and to put things in the right perspective, one realizes, whoa, that too often people are putting, as my late father would say, the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yes, Man has to do the initiative, but a little bit of initiative don't in any which way minimize what HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do. Your focus should be, how do I provide 
the best for my family, not only in terms of dollars, but providing the best for my family in terms of the environment that my children should not just like Judaism, they should love Torah and mitzvot. This is the hishtadlus that a person has to do in terms of taking, quote-unquote, that initiative. Interestingly, this coming Monday is Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat, the 15th day of the month of Shvat. Now, what is the significance of this? So, on the one hand, it has a halachic significance, Tu Bishvat, and that is regarding the trumos and maasros, there's a cycle of six years. Every year, Mr. Cohen gets truma, 2% of the produce. Mr. Levy gets 10% every year. But then there's a second 10%. First and second year, it is going to Yerushalayim, which is called Maser Sheni. And third and sixth, it goes to the poor. Now, how do I know? When does the year begin? When does the year end? So Tu Bishvat is that cut-off point. Those fruits that blossom before Tu Bishvat are part of last year's accounting, and those that blossom after Tu Bishvat are part of next year's accounting. Good. So on the one hand, it has a very legal aspect to it, determining where the Ma'asir goes. But throughout the years, the Jew in Golos, separated from Eretz Yisrael, used any and every opportunity to connect with Eretz Yisrael. And so, as the Torah in the book of Devarim, easy to remember, chapter 8, verse 8, tells us of the Zion Minim, the seven species of Eretz Yisrael that are enumerated, Eretz Chito, Saora, etc. So the Jew tried to connect with Eretz Yisrael as it is the Rosh Hashanah, the Elah knows, for the purpose that we explained a moment ago, the Jew tried to connect with Eretz Yisrael by eating the new fruits of uh, that year, but especially the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. And I quote from the Mishnah Brura in Simon, Reish Chof Hey, Sivkoton Yutes, Kosvo Achronim, B'Shem Yerushalmi, the latter decisors teach. The mitzvah lecho ma'at mikol min chadosh pashana. There's a mitzvah to eat a little bit from the new fruits. Vataam, the reason, kadei laharos, to show shechavivolav. It's dear, it's precious to him. Bri also shel hakadosh baruch Whoa. And I'm going to share with you very quickly the meshechachma of the pasuk. In Bereshis, when Hashem puts Adam Horishon into Gan Eden, and He says to Adam, "Mikol eats agon, achol tochel." Adam, help yourself. That's the way we would normally understand it. 
eat whatever fruit you want, except for that one tree, the eight sadas, don't eat from that. Says the Moshe Chachma, no. It wasn't that God gave man permission to eat from the trees. Says the Moshe Chachma, mitzvah. Hashem was commanding it to do a positive mitzvah, to eat from the trees. If he would have fulfilled the positive mitzvah of eating from the other trees, that would have been on his behalf as the Gemara teaches us that mitzvahs have the ability to be megin umatzil, that mitzvahs protect the individual. And had Adam only eaten first from the other trees, that would have protected him from eating from the one he was not to eat. The idea behind it is that eating fruits this coming Monday on Tu Bishvat, a beautiful custom, should give us the opportunity to pause and reflect for a moment that while everybody has to eat, the Jew pauses, and before he eats, he makes the bracha, and he realizes, wow, that needy eating is not only nourishing for our body, but eating is nourishing for our souls, helping us to collect, to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Wow. So the recitation of a bracha before we eat is not only to say thank you Hashem for the beautiful fruits that He gives us to enhance our lives, to show the chen, the beautiful colors, etc. But it's also that opportunity to elevate ourselves and to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get closer to Eretz Yisrael by eating the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. Wow. Ashreinu. Matov Chelkeinu. How privileged we are. May we all be privileged to enjoy the fruits of Eretz Yisrael and to work on its behalf, please God, for many years to come. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. Arye Kunstler with uh, Az Yashir Moshe. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Well, uh, today's Friday. And uh, to say we have a full schedule today is an understatement. Listen carefully, please. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Naomi Nachman from the Shuk. No joke. The Machani Yehuda Shuk is where Naomi uh, presents the show today from 9 until 10 o'clock. From Shak, Shakshuka in the Shuk Machani Yehuda. That's the name of the place. Uh, um, guests include Ch- uh, Chef Osnat of Shakshuka Restaurant, Nina from Instagram, Jerusalemite, and Chef Yehuda Jacobs from the uh, Israel Foodie. All coming up between 9 and 10 on Table for Two with Naomi Nachman right here at JMM. Mazal Tov to Naomi. Ten years she's celebrating with us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Erev Shabbos Music Mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday Night Siegel, it's Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Um, Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And Monday is our Tubishvat program right here at JM Nam, which this year will include Rabbi Benji Kramer and Rabbi David Hertzberg. All right. Plenty happening, to say the least. Kosher Halftime Show, a week from Sunday, uh, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm, injurylawyer.com. 
And uh, Tuber Strat, we told you, is Monday. Steve Savitsky has a brand new book. We'll speak to him Wednesday on JM and the AM. A lot of great guests coming up this week. A lot of good stuff. I must say. Um, so we'll have that all for you coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, Gershon Veroba's next at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM with Mordechai Ben David and Rachem. Yes, I do know that we played V'chiyadav twice, but I wanted to play it twice this morning, early on and uh, later on here at JM in the AM. Thank you, Mark Zamek, for reminding me about that London song that comes straight from Parsha's B'Shalach. Much appreciated. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, Naomi Nachman with a brand new show from Machane Yehuda. Coming up uh, in minutes, table for two, minutes away here at JM in the AM. No joke, literally minutes away. Candle lighting at uh, 4.55 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H today. You will be glad you did. That is an understatement, as I like to say. Uh, Shabbos Shira, Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Um, Erev Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach. Tu B'Shvat on Monday. Keep that in mind. Tu B'Shvat is coming Monday. Rabbi Benji Kramer and Rabbi David Hertzberg will both be part of um, our presentation this coming Monday for Tu Bishvat here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com, on the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. up an amazing week here at jmnam thank you so much everybody for tuning in and being part of this great radio experience table for two brand new from jerusalem comes up next with naomi nachman mark zamek and the arab shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at kedem plus the arab shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at kedem all coming up tomorrow night it's avrami and rabbi eliezer zwickler with the saturday night seagull matis on live sunday morning at 7 a.m with jm sunday Tu Bishvat is Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next week, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.